and welcome to Ground Control Parenting, a blog and now a podcast created for parents raising black and brown children. I'm the creator and your host, Carol Sutton Lewis. In this podcast series, I talk with some really interesting people about the job and the joy of parenting. Today, I am so pleased to welcome a dynamic duo of fabulous women who have been great friends for many decades and who have so much to share about life and successfully parenting black children. I wore them down until they agreed to come on, and I'm so glad they're here. Latanya Richardson, a Tony Award-nominated stage, screen, and television actor who most recently created the role Capernia in the recent Broadway production of To Kill a Mockingbird, and Pauletta Washington, a stage and screen actress who's recently appeared in the series She's Gotta Have It and will be seen in the upcoming series Genius Aretha, and who is also a vocalist and a classically trained pianist. Latanya and her husband, actor Samuel L. Jackson, have a daughter, Zoe, who's 38. Pauletta and her husband, actor Denzel Washington, have four children, John David, 36, Katya, 33, and twins Olivia and Malcolm, 29. Welcome to Ground Control Parenting, Pauletta and LaTanya. God, Carol. <laughs> We're here. Yay, yes. you're here. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you guys here on the show. There's so much I want to talk to you about. Your long-standing friendship and parenting support, how you raised amazingly grounded kids in the crazy celebrity bubble, and so much more. But I want to start by talking about your childhood. Now, I know that both of you grew up Southern. You have similarities in your background. You're both Southern girls. Pauletta, you were born in Newton, North Carolina, and Latanya from Atlanta, Georgia. So both of you are college graduates, Latanya from Spelman and Pauletta from the University of North Carolina School of the Arts, Juilliard, and graduate work at the University of North Texas. So education was really important, it seems, in your families growing up. Can each of you tell me a little bit about the expectations that your parents had of you growing up? And Pauletta, let's start with you. What, what expectations do they have of you when you were younger in terms of education? Well, I mean, because my my parents were educators, the education was really extremely important. And in the time that I grew up, it was important because uh, as they felt, knowledge was power Mm -hmm. that um, in order to 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 gain power, I had to be educated. So um, they expected us to, first of all, go to school. (laughs) <laughs> and finish school and not only finish school but 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 excel and do well in school and i think i know college was was not an option but after college they didn't really uh press me for it i just decided that i wanted to continue at at one point my father thought that i was really looking forward to becoming a a, a, a student a professional student <laughs> which which I didn't mind because I really enjoyed I really enjoyed school I really enjoyed learning and experiencing different people so the expectations mm-hmm. were very high mm-hmm. and and how about you Latanya were they high for you as well of course they were I'm from Atlanta you know we're we're about politics and education so <laughs> my grandparents had raised three kids all of whom had had some college um. At some point, my uncle, who had started at Clark, but mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. he left school to go there. My mother went to a nursing college in Atlanta, and my Aunt Doris finished Clark, which is now Clark Atlanta University. So I was surrounded by what my grandparents, who had not been able to attend, you know, 
past, I think, high school. They were both in high school, but they were determined that this was the way for the race to achieve. And that that's how I think during that time, even more so than now, it was incumbent upon most African-Americans to get an education because that was our way out. That was the way that we were going to get to the next level of living in this country. So it was Mm -hmm. very important. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a chance to go to Spelman and I stayed there till I graduated. <laughs> so. <laughs> so both of you, when you started having children, then it was sort of it was like like Paula said, there wasn't an option. I mean, your kids must have heard early on that their education was important. Is that fair? Yes, definitely. Oh, of course. And we had our husbands were educated. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, Denzel at Fordham and and Sam at Morehouse. So and Denzel in boarding school, then Fordham. So (laughs) I know. (laughs) And, you know, the thing about it, because of of, of my father is uh, uh, was an alum of A&T, my mom of Bennett Mm -hmm. College. So, I mean, I grew up with the HBCU schools, didn't know about HBCU. I just thought that Mm -hmm. schools were the schools, you Mm -hmm. know, and I thought I I made a visit. I took a visit to. Morehouse uh, before I even had John David. And I thought, oh, my God, this is where I want my son to come to. And, you know, many, many, many years later, that's what he did. So I was so happy. And you know what? (laughs) He's benefited very well from doing that. Oh, well, you know, I'll just tell you quickly, my father, who graduated from Tuskegee and all his siblings graduated from HBCUs, he decided I was going to Spelman when I was born. And then when I was 12, he took me to Spelman to show me Spelman, but he took me to Spelman in August when it was really, I remember getting out of the car and it was burning hot. And he said, this is where you're going to school. And I thought to myself, this is not where I'm going. <laughs> it's too hot. So it's a good thing, Pauletta, that you didn't tell John David that he was going to my house or else he might not have made it there. <laughs> no, right. So, so you, so all of your, your kids are growing up in, and that, now I know that some of your children, um, were born before sort of the, the Hollywood celebrity bubble encompassed the both of you, but, but, they all have grew up in a world where, um, frankly, the path to success was not necessarily education based. I mean, in the world of Hollywood, I'll call it success wasn't really tied necessarily as much to education. Was it hard to um, to 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 drive that point home to them or could they just look at their parents and say, well, you know, I don't have a choice. This is what I mean. Did everybody sort of go along with the program? Well, my children didn't have a choice. It was about school. We, when I mean, it's in, interesting that even even Zoe, they're all in this business, but that's that's not the way we. In fact, I wanted doctors, I wanted uh, attorneys, I wanted teachers. That's what I wanted, you know. So, but regardless of what they chose, they had to go to school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For our generation, Pauletta and Dizelle were sort of pioneers in this whole Hollywood situation because before them, it was a different uh, setting. Mm-hmm. And then it changed. And even though there were some people before, like a Diane Carolyn, they had they were still educated in the craft. They didn't just show mm-hmm. up 
mm-hmm. like the dominant culture could show up and, and they were Hollywood from exactly. you know a, a bar stool at a drugstore. Mm-hmm. But they um it was it was never in intended for them in the bubble that we were in that that was their light. It was just what their parents did. It was how they lived, but it really had nothing to do with their life. Their mm-hmm. life was a kid going to school regular like the rest of the yes. kids. Mm-hmm. And if that ended up being their life, so be it. But it wasn't even in the zeitgeist for, for our family either that Zoe was going into it. Mm-hmm. She majored in psychology, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or as Sam said, she majored in nothing. <laughs> <laughs> But so they grew up in not only celebrity, but, you know, well, resources, black, but black, but black, yeah, black, black. black. So tell me about tell me how that played in, because in some circles, affluence can sometimes even be more um, of a prominence than race. How did you guys tell your kids how did you how did you continually get that message to your kids that? I mean, they were they were who they were first and foremost before they were in um, this fancy school or this this sort of um, fancy environment. I keep liking Pauletta to take the lead only because (laughs) no, because she's been in, in that fancy environment in a different way longer than than we have, because we lived in New York for, our you know, with Zoe before. Uh, we came here. So we were pretty grounded in a different kind of way. Her children grew up in the middle of this affluence, you know? So uh, that's why I keep lying her to take the lead because she was fraught with all of it coming at her and with everybody. Denzel was, you know, he was, he was a Barrymore. He was Denzel. You know? <laughs> I know I'm making all these old school references that no one would probably get. <laughs> you know, the drugstore, the Barrymore. No, no, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so she was on a level that had everybody coming at her. So I'll let her, you know. Well, I, I have to I have to say that the, the the thing that I can relate to, because while you're in it, while I was in it, I was not stopping to think, how am I doing? I, I there was never any time, you know, even just had from the one to the four. I just felt that I had such a strong foundation as a child. And it was because of, of the, the principles that were taught to me from my parents, you know, the the, the, the normal thing, please, thank you. Mm-hmm. And because I was from the South, we said, yes, ma'am, no, sir, that, that type of thing. So that was the first thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember when, uh, when, uh, John David was in school and he, because he was taught to say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, to, to, to the older people. That and he still does. And then his teacher came. And the teacher told him, don't call me ma'am. Don't say miss or miss or don't say that to me. And and so he was confused. And he mm-hmm. came home one day and he was so upset because he didn't know. Because he knew that if I found out he was saying Greg to a 30-year-old <laughs> man, you know, that I would be upset. So he came and he cried and he told me. So I marched up to that school. I said, I don't care if out of the 50 people you have in here and he's the only one, that he must do that because mm-hmm. that's what he's taught. And he was young. Because I really believe that the way you start 
is 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 important, you know. Mm-hmm. You you have said we talked about this earlier. You said both of you as Southern women, Black Southern women in Hollywood, you stood in your shoes, not anybody else's shoes, and you conducted your households like to your point, Pauletta, like you were anywhere. And when the kids came by, when friends came by, they had to treat you with the same kind of respect that you would expect from your own children. Let me just ask you this as an aside. Were kids able to call you by your first name or did they have to call you Miss? Miss. 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 That, oh, that's how oh, we oh, got oh. Miss Pauletta, Miss, <laughs> Miss Latanya. Miss I said Miss Latanya. I didn't care about them calling me by my first name as long as they said Miss. Exactly. But, no, the Tanya. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. it's Miss Tanya. Because if you I have to differentiate. <laughs> you have to differentiate between your status and my status. And because I am a colored woman, then I'm already clocking you in a different kind of way to make sure you're not clocking me because you're the dominant culture. And I want to make sure that you know, in my house, it's different, and I'm not part of the melting pot. And I'm also not here as to provide servitude for you and your family's feelings. Mm-hmm. I'm here as a human being standing in my own shoes, you know. And so when you come this way, you're going to understand this is a different culture. And I'm trying to be that culture for you. In the mm-hmm. same way that, too, that Zoe, when she would go south, I realized how much my family said, Say this, say that, tell them this, say that. And I, yeah. like, stop telling her to how to talk. She knows how to talk or, <laughs> you know, so it, that's what happened to yes, ma'am. And no, ma'am, because they were quick on the yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Did you say hello? Did you, you know, and I was like, yes, okay, look, yes. I get it. And if she doesn't quite get to the yes, ma'am, except when she's down here. Okay. She may not say it. She may say yes and no. So don't be offended, but you really do. I would appreciate it if you all if you all would stop giving her language and and sentences to say, mm-hmm. to learn to say, because that behavior in the South is one of the things that I have railed against mm. in my rebellion growing up as to no, it does not have to be that way. Because you know, in the South we conform to a set of traditional norms. You should try to create your own word. And that was the thing that I wanted instilled in Zoe. Zoe. This is your world. You tell me. Everybody might have a a different idea about what this road is you're on. But just remember, these are your feet. This is your road. Mm -hmm. And your idea is just as good as theirs until it's disproven. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the main things, too, for me was was the the respect factor. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think if you talk to my kids today, they would say it was always respect. Mm-hmm. And that I always encourage them to 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 you can it's perfectly OK to disagree, but I always say, but respectfully, especially mm-hmm. to their teachers. All of my children have a, a different way of thinking and even from each other. And I wanted them to be as normal as possible, you mm-hmm. know, to have as normal of, of, a, of a school experience as possible yeah. mm-hmm. so that they were with all kind of people with mm-hmm. with. Some on financial aid and, 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 and some, you know, have 
could buy the school, you know, that, but mm-hmm. they didn't know. The children did not know that. Mm-hmm. And that's that was important. But the respect factor is that was very, very important. To mm-hmm. Don't you think that goes to our Christian upbringing, though? Oh, for sure. For one thing, you know, we were told when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood mm-hmm. as a child. I, I spoke as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So that part of it is instilled in you, in you at an early age. That, mm-hmm. And that's the thing we pass along to say. Mm-hmm. but you're, you're a kid now be a kid mm-hmm. yeah exactly so I don't know about your children but mine I from New York City but my father was from the south and my parents were both very much my mom was a school teacher and it was always miss missus and I called all of even my parents friends mr. or mrs. or aunt or uncle if we write mm-hmm. them really well right, exactly and um, I get so much pushback, or I did when my children were younger, that they could go to someone else's house and the parent would say, oh, no, 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 don't call me Mr. or yeah. Mrs., you know, please call me. And I would have to say, no, no, I would really prefer that they yeah. call you by. I was glad I did that. They called me old school up, down and sideways. Were they OK with it? I'm sure my children, as soon as they have kids, will say, call everybody by their first name because they so felt like I was making them be different from everyone else. Yep. More than likely, I would say probably. I don't know. <laughs> I don't I know. know that, I just know that mine right now, they still do. They say, yes, ma'am. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. They, they do. still do that. Yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. Yesterday, <laughs> Sam and I were coming back from a COVID test. Coming up San Ysidro Hill, we see the one, John David. He's <laughs> He runs the hills over here. And yeah. he's running. And he, I was like, oh. First of all, you need to have on a white shirt. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. I was just, I, you know, ma'am immediately fell out of his, his mouth. I said, well, so-and-so, so-and-so. Yes, ma'am. Okay. And I said, I love I her children. I love what her the, children. Plus, that's, that's his auntie, too. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> See, that? When, he, when he addresses her, he'll, he'll address her as auntie. And he and Sam were on, uh, was it Kimmel? Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel. Well, he Sam hosted the show, and, and, <laughs> and I didn't know if he was ever gonna say anything, or, or call him by anything, but uh-huh. he did. He said, "Unk." Uh-huh. So I said, "Unk." Oh goodness, I'm glad of that, though. I'm happy about. That. I am that I, they. I, have I really that. am. Yeah. Me too. I think it, it really it, it 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 it's a it's a it's a wealth of of. Love and respect, mm-hmm. especially for professionally for JD at this point, he has he has opened up a door for people to understand that the connection, of course, first of all, his DNA is Denzel's and yours, but that the circle that he was influenced by or he continues to be fed from is a wide circle. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's not. Yeah. So they don't have to constantly take him in an interview and go, your dad, your dad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He mm-hmm. love that he has, he has that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Notwithstanding that you might have imagined your children would go in different professions. I love that to some degree, they're all, sort of sort of they're all moving in the same circle in which they grew up and they're taking what they've learned and they're building on it and they'll they they will understand at its core sort of what the hard work of it looks like mm-hmm. and they'll also be able to add their own spin because they're they have the DNA but they're going to do things their way 
So yeah. it, I love that there's this legacy. It's it's like the Barrymores, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe somebody will go look them up if they right. don't know. I know, really. That's right. All you young people out there, look up the Barrymores. Know, look up the Barrymores. <laughs> so, but but you, the, the the five of them are close. Is that true? They all they very kind of close. Yeah. Oh. See, yeah. that's a wonderful thing. They are part of that that group that I can count on because Zoe's an only child. <laughs> that in in my worrying, at the end of the day, when I know I'm gone, I know that I've done all I can do, I, I, and I worry that she's alone. But they have told me verbally, oh, "Don't worry, we got her. We we yeah. got her. We'll never leave. Her. We're here." And I'm like, "Okay," because but I mean, they really are because anything happens, they're they're buzzing. You know, sometimes I'll say. I wonder where Zoe? Well, she's working. She's gonna come over. You know, so they already know. <laughs> So, so Latanya, I just got to follow up on that because I know this lovely story. You guys were honored at church and Zoe made a little speech and she talked about the, the gift that they, that your, she, you and Sam have given her. It was shocking. <laughs> it was shocking, but it was, I said, oh, she might be a deep thinker. <laughs> uh, no, she we, you know, got up to speak and we were all being honored at West Angeles Church of God in Christ with uh, Bishop Blake is our our, our bishop. And she said, um, she said, the, the great gift that I must say my parents have, have given me are not the things. It's not the car. It's not the, you know, where I live. And then she came back and said, it's, it's to know how to live without them for the day that I no longer have them. I'll be able to, to live. Oh. And first of all, I wanted to break down and cry because when I thought about it in retrospect and especially after she said it, Sam and I talked about it. I said, well, I guess our work is, is getting done, you know, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. that was the idea of it to with an only child. So I became, you know, I just made myself the everything, the playmate, the this, the that. But so that somebody was there. So I appreciate her saying that because I hope so. I, it seems so. Yeah, no, I think so. Yeah. It, yeah. it, as, as odd as that may sound, it truly is the parenting goal to have yeah. your children be in the world comfortable in their own skin, in their own world. And, 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 you know, I don't mean to sound maudlin, like miss you terribly, but know that they can go on. I mean, yeah. you know, that they must go on. Right, right. No, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I want to move on to your friendship independent of the kids. But before I do that, you know, early on in this conversation, you guys are like, these are black kids. And so, you know, sort of that isn't, it's a, sort of a critical part of the answer of how we had to raise them. So how are your kids now in their current ages dealing with, with the, the current circumstances and how, how, as they were growing up, how difficult was it for you guys to sort of ground them in the reality of um, their world outside of the celebrity bubble? Well, there again, I think because uh, the school that they attended at the time really was instrumental with me in, in that way, because like I said, they, their, all their friends were friends from different kinds of families, different mm -hmm. you know, levels mm -hmm. financially. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and my husband got them in sports really soon. And mm -hmm. we would take um, uh, of our children down to uh to uh, uh, rodeo, not rodeo, but rodeo <laughs> to play sports, you know, <laughs> with down at Crenshaw High to make sure that they, 
knew the difference. One 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 story that I remember uh, of John David was pl- pr- playing ball with the Ball and Hills uh, League. And he became friends with one of the guys there, one of the little boys. And he asked me one day if he could go with him home. And I said, yeah. And of course, I knew the mother. It was a single mother. And I was to pick him up like around seven. Well, by that time, you know, that's when the sun goes down about five. Mm-hmm. And then he came and I picked him up and he he said, wow, mom. He said, you know, I went to turn the light on and the light didn't come on. He says, and I went to another room and turned the lights on. He says, what happened if the lights went on? And I said, because they probably had no money to pay the light bill. Mm -hmm. He said, you have to pay. And I went, yep, you have to pay. So those kind of lessons, I mm-hmm, think, put mm-hmm. in reality. Mm-hmm, and then when you have one and, and then that you, you you get him started. And he's a great big brother because he's a great teacher and a mentor to the other ones. You know, then it kind of is a ripple effect, too. So but what about like the talk and the stuff that you have to do to send them out as they get a little older to understand that no matter where what home they're leaving from when they hit the outside world, they have to be prepared for whatever treatment that they get. That's you know, a hard you, one. That's a hard one. But you do give them that when they start driving, you give them that put their hands on the on the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if your life, if your if your wallet is behind you, tell them where you're going. What you mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I had a uh, an issue with the dominant culture, how, how the children, what they were allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one who is like my daughter to me now, who in my house called her mother a bitch in mm. <laughs> in front of me. And I said, um, you know, we don't talk like that in this house. But I was also at a, a point in my life where I was like, I'm tired of teaching. So I said, so uh, you won't be coming back here for a good while. <laughs> and her mother said, I'm so sorry. I said, no. She should be apologizing to mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. and you should be picking her up off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> so and in that case, that is something that stuck with all of them to this day. They make a joke about it now and mm-hmm. they'll say, remember when so-and-so was banned from the house? And I, was, <laughs> I say, yeah, I'm glad you remember because <laughs> I was clear. And, you know, she lived with Sam. He was very hardcore. And one time she went to school when I because I always loved the Afro and we had let her go to school in this Afro in in L.A., not in New York. New York, never an issue out here. They started asking her, could they touch her hair? And why was her hair sticking up like that? He said, when you go to school, you tell them, you know, things that are alive stand up and things that are dead lay down. So I should be asking you, what's wrong with your hair? That's beautiful. (laughs) That's beautiful. I I never forgot that. But he would also tell her, when these children start acting out and you get in different situations, just understand the dominant culture has a different way in life than you do. And we're not trying to make you feel less than you are the same. But in this country and in the world, it's, it hasn't changed enough for you not to understand. Yes, you can be friends. You can do all of this. But see, once they start acting a different kind of way, you be still. Because I guarantee you, if it's about discipline or if it's about how someone outside of your little circle is behaving, 
they're going to clock you. You will become the example, not those other children. So she knew that was the difference. I'm telling you, that's why I made her go to Spelman before her junior year. That junior year abroad, I said, your whole educational system is is the dominant culture. So I guarantee you, you go in just for a semester, just one semester. So that's what happened. She went to Spelman and then she went to University of London. But she fell in love with London, you know, so it it just worked out. God is good. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to talk to you guys in our remaining time about your friendship, because I it, it is it is a light for me just to be in its presence. And I really I I love that you have had a a friendship as 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 women friends. You've had a, a friendship as moms together. And and you've had a friendship as as women, as actors who have uh, by choice focused on your families. And I love that you guys have each other. And and I often talk about the importance of like parenting groups. And did you guys spend a lot of time as the kids were growing up just sort of comparing notes or were you mostly on the same page all the time? No, we didn't because they were all at different schools. They were all Mm -hmm. like we were all you remember. I was still going back and forth between New York and 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 um and L.A. Mm-hmm. Paulette and them, when they came, they just came. They were the whole shebang <laughs> out here, you know. So by the time Sam and I got out here, her kids were, you know, she was matriculating in a in a completely in the bubble. We were sort of outside of the bubble for a long time, you know, and it was just about knowing that they were there and so appreciating the fact that of, for everything that was happening for them. And, and when it would happen, you know, we were a part of it when right. you, other, our daily life was just me, first of all, trying to adjust from New York to this, this whole thing out here and trying to, trying to understand how different the setup was mm-hmm. that people out here were very much that Hollywood was was very much an existence. You know, it was mm-hmm. how they chose to see themselves as, I don't know, these Hollywood gods and goddesses rather than people. Mm-hmm. And somehow in New York, there was always the amalgam of everybody. Mm-hmm. In the bubble, in the circle, in the circle, because it wasn't really such a bubble. It was just the circle. And, you know, mm-hmm. and you would find different people, different kinds of people doing different things. And out here, it was a more myopic view. So I I appreciated having, you know, Pauletta and Dee there because they could just handle the bubble. Mm-hmm. And I could be on the outside of it until I felt it because, you know, for I, I didn't understand how how much people because I never had to deal with it, how much it was about the star. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. It, it out here for a long time, it was totally about who the star was and you were an appendage. There were times when, you know, I would be at a, a even at a premiere or something and a, a photographer would push me out of the way or step on me on my mm. feet or something oh. trying to get to, to the star to, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so that's kind of how people were. And mm. a lot of times I didn't understand that. And I'll, and Pauletta 
will will remember, she pulled herself away from a lot of that with her kids, I think because of the kids, because she was on first and everybody was was after her and after them. And I didn't have to, you know, I was it was a different kind of situation, but you didn't have to really compare notes that much. You know, you 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 stayed in your with your little section and whatever. It was when they got older that it became like, okay, they're gone or they're going. What are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? That it was it was different. And because we had picked our lives back up, our Mm -hmm. profession, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But, and the other thing for me, too, for us, Denzel as well, we we never got into that Hollywood thing. You know, I mean, you, you did what you had to do for your work. And, and even to this day, Denzel doesn't he doesn't right. do, you know, he, we like I said, our friends are, are just regular people. Even even Latanya and Sam, they're regular people to us mm-hmm. because we knew them as regular people and we knew them as artists. Mm-hmm. Not celebrity. It was mm-hmm. their artist. So that, you know, that's how we relate mm-hmm. to people. And mm-hmm. even to this day. So the, the Hollywood thing, uh, Denzel will tell somebody, even interviews, he goes on, they go, well, how, how is it in Hollywood? He said, I don't know. He says, I live in LA. I don't live in Hollywood. <laughs> you know, what, whatever that Hollywood thing is, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I believe that when you know who you are, that's the one thing that I, I, I would say to my children, even before they knew what I was talking about, when you know who you are, then you are okay. Mm-hmm. And then we're constantly learning who we are. And they're teaching us now. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh my God. They have you it. Know. They're constantly, Oof. you know, I love, I hate this COVID because it has like we live in close proximity. So, you know, but at the same time, we're still not seeing each other as much as we would. No. We get there, you know, but cause one of my joys, I should go and get a picture. One of my, <laughs> wait, I'm going to get it. But one of my joys is we're all outside in our yard together, hearing what they have to say about us. The children. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you, they can't see the picture. They can't see the picture. Oh, oh, right, right. <laughs> I'm the oldest. Yeah. I, I'm the oldest, Carol. No, no, no. <laughs> but no, oh, that's so true. People don't talk about that in parenting. It's very true. You think you know yourself as an adult, and then your children get old enough to tell you oh, who you are. Yeah. <laughs> And you know what? I'm discovering a lot as to who I am or who they perceive that I am. Right, <laughs> no. right. I, I try to, I, I, I know once, I forget what I had said. And so I said to Malcolm, I said, Malcolm is her, one of the twins, one of her twins. I said, Malcolm, you heard what I just said. <laughs> now, now, did that come, because Zoe had, had taken umbrage at what I had said. I said, <laughs> Did that come off like that to you? You saw what I was saying. I'm thinking he's going to say, yes, auntie, I totally saw. He said, well, I mean, I think you could have said, I think you could have said it a little differently. Like if you had said, and I'm looking at him. I'm going to knock you down. Yeah, no. If if I hear one more thing about my tone, the tone that I apparently have. The tone. Ooh. But you know what about the tone for me? 
when I got the tone as a as a young person, I said, oh, well, when I become a parent, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. <laughs> and sure enough, they tell me about my tone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wouldn't trade it for anything, though. I tell you that. No. <laughs> Being a parent is, is that's life. Yeah, yeah, it no, same here. Yeah. I have one more kind of wrap-up question before I, I let you guys go, and this has to do with the longevity of marriage. Now, Latanya, you've been married for 40 years, is that right? Yeah, and right. Pauletta, 37. I, I've been married a mere 32, but but I'm wondering, for young people, for anybody listening who is early in a marriage, do you have any thoughts about sort of what what makes marriage a life foundation versus something that just runs its course? Because when you're in for this many years, for the most part, you, you certainly have built a very strong foundation. I mean, it's a thing. It's, it's a part of your life versus if you're only married for three years or five years, it sort of is something you did, but you kind of, you're not as invested in it. I mean, how have you helped to make this a good investment? Are there any core things that you would say to people about what has made it work for so many years? God. That's a, well, I, 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 you know, totally. And, you, and, and I mean, that's for sure. That's for real. <laughs> okay. Knowing, knowing that, that God has given us a map of how to forgive and mm-hmm. who to be, that if you don't have are not morally centered on what God would do, then you have a a lot of chances and opportunities to walk away and dissolve the relationship. But if you're holding on to that, as long as you're not in some abusive Mm -hmm. situation, then as, as, as the years go by, you, you begin to see exactly what you just said, the investment and the investment becomes your business plan. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you can get, after you get so many years in, you really do have to look at your business and the business of your family. Mm-hmm. As, mm-hmm. as in addition to the business of the marriage, it becomes the business of the family and how that's going to impact or make a difference, not only as first in what it is for all of you, yeah. but, but what, what you represent for God, mm-hmm. what people see, what, mm-hmm. what, what they see from the outside. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, if you have made that commitment, then we're living by that commitment that, mm-hmm. you know, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And yeah. if you can forgive, not if, when you forgive, yeah. do, it, do it quickly. Uh, there's a I lot. Think marriage does, don't you think marriage does uh, 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 really test that big time, the forgiveness factor? Girl. Big time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to forgive like a lot all the time, like for a long, every day. Yeah, uh-huh. for a little. And ourselves too. Yes, exactly. And you have to be forgiven a lot. I really do think there is a, a decision at some point that this is a good thing. It's, it's an investment and one that you want to see a good return on. It's, it's a decision. It's not sort of the hearts and flowers, you know, comes and goes. But I think yeah. the, the sort of the, the looking at it as a, as a powerful investment kind of keeps you 
I mean, when you just say these numbers, 32, 37, 40, that's right. a lot of numbers. <laughs> a lot of numbers. A lot of numbers. So, a lot of numbers. So, ladies, I can't tell you. I could just keep talking forever. <laughs> I'm going to wrap it up. But first, here's something that all of my guests have to do. I want you to, first of all, I want to thank you because, it's, as always, it's been such a pleasure to hear you guys and talk to you. And I'm sure that parents listening really appreciate your advice of all of it. It's really been great. But there is the GCP bonus round. I have two questions and each of you have to answer these questions. You each have to tell me your favorite poem and then you have to tell me your favorite two children's books. And it can be ones that you grew up with loving or that you read to your kids. Okay, first a poem. Anybody got a poem? My <laughs> favorite poem is, is Go. Phenomenal Woman. Ah, uh, you know, that's my favorite poem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maya Angelou. That is a great yeah, poem. Maya Angelou. How about you, LaTanya? Poem that I have grown up with that my mother taught me that is still with me these years is Invictus by oh, William yeah. Henley. Henley. Oh. And when I find myself in certain situations, I just immediately between the 23rd Psalm and Invictus, I center myself to say, okay, I'm the master of my soul. My so soul. I got yeah. this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dad That's taught me great. that one too. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. same here. That's a great one. Great okay. One. Children's books. Well, Dr. Seuss, Green Eggs and Ham. You know, I mean, and then I even asked my kids too, what it, what it, and all three of them, all four of them, I should say, said that, you know. <laughs> Definitely all of the Dr. Seuss's. But, you know, I, I'm from Georgia. So, of course, we grew up on a lot of the uh, the um, historically black authors. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and a lot of that was poetry. So Langston Hughes and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the only one that I can remember that I read were the Dr. Seuss books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they all like that. So, ladies, thank you so much. Those are great answers. And I hope everyone listening enjoyed this conversation and that you'll come back for more. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review where you find your podcasts and tell your friends. In the meantime, please check out the Ground Control Parenting blog at www.groundcontrolparenting.com for tons of parenting info and advice. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Ground Control Parenting and on LinkedIn under Carol Sutton Lewis. Please send comments and questions on any of these platforms because we really want to hear from you. Until the next time, take care (laughs) and thanks for listening. Thank you for having us. Thank you. We're done. We're done. Ladies, we did it. That's the thing. We We got it.